Yeah, thank you for tuning in. It's more than a podcast. Inexhaustible episodes, God's vast. Glorify Him as we broadcast the Lord's grace and God's wrath. More serious than a bomb blast. Full disclosure inside the title. No surprises, simply put, guys with Bibles. Yeah. Just some regular reborn reformed cats If it's in the Bible then they're gonna speak on that Cause the scripture is the final word okay. Competing ideas quite absurd Of this you can be quite assured <laughs> yeah. We were lost in the darkness of night immersed in sin But then the, the light, light emerged. emerged It was the Son of God, divine Christ that shines light The word in Genesis that assigned life in hindsight And was revealed through the prophets and apostles We magnify and expound on the power of the gospel Yeah, yeah Listeners and welcome to Guys with Bibles. I'm Lee, and I'm here with a very special guest, Jimmy De Los Santos. How are you this evening? How you doing, Lee? How's it going over there? Oh, splendid. <laughs> Could not be better. Glad to have you on, a, a fellow Bar Network co-host brother. No, this is the first Bar crossover that we've done since we joined the network, I believe. So uh, yeah. a milestone. It is. It is. This is. This is something we've talked about doing this for a little while. We were trying to get our schedules together so that we could uh, get together and do this. So I, I, I'm really glad that you invited me on. I'm, I'm happy to be here, and and I, I look forward to the conversation we're about to have. Fantastic. We're going to be talking about Psalm 51. And when I reached out to Jimmy, I, I said, "Hey, uh, I'm doing just some some informal chats with folks about their favorite psalms." Uh, just because I love the Psalms and uh, I love talking to people about the Psalms, and so when I when I said to you, "What Psalm would you want to talk about?" It was like just immediate. We're talking about Psalm fifty-one. It, That's Psalm right. fifty-one's the the one. It is. So what it is. is it about Psalm fifty-one? Well, um, I'm I'm an evangelist, right? So uh, one of the big things about Psalm fifty-one is that it's uh, David's penitent psalm. If you'll read the uh, kind of the foreword right before the psalm. Um, it, it talks about or it gives a description. This is a psalm that David wrote uh, after Nathan had Nathan the prophet had come to him and explained to him that you are that man. If you'll read Second uh, Samuel eleven and twelve, you'll see the story that's there about how David got with Bathsheba and Uriah ended up getting killed, and David was behind it all. And so that that whole story and the way that it goes and it it, it drives into the psalm uh, makes it. Uh, one of those psalms that I look at and apply to my own life, right? And so when I'm on the street and I'm witnessing to people and I'm evangelizing, I don't say, repeat after me. I say, have you ever read Psalm 51? And so that's that's why it's important to me, I think. That's awesome. Uh, I could see why it would be really beneficial for, um, for evangelism um, on the street. Uh, it, it's kind of a, uh, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the, uh, the, the comfort approach, <laughs> you know, the living waters approach where we're kind of, we're bringing the sin right up, right up front and center in, in our conversation and, um, kind of getting to the heart of things. Yeah. It's totally I, I, I use, well, you know, he calls it the way of the master and he calls it the way of the master for a certain reason. Now you, you, you hit on something. I don't even know if you knew that Lee, but 
uh, it was Ray Comfort that got me started on evangelism uh, way back. Go. I've been on the streets uh, evangelizing the people since 2005. So I've been doing it for over 15 years now, uh, talking wow. to people on the streets. And so I've had thousands of conversations on the streets. And uh, I always bring up the law. I always ask the questions, you know, have you lied? Have you stolen? Have you looked with lust? Have you taken God's name in vain? Uh, and usually the, the the conversation goes so well. It's 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 such a great way of introducing what's important. Um, until people need see their need for a savior, they they won't they won't see if they, until they see their 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 sin in the, in its true light. They won't see their need for a savior. And so uh, Ray Comfort has taught me a lot. I still watch his videos. I still am learning from the guy. The guy's still evolving. I believe in his in the way he evangelizes. And so uh, I still enjoy watching them and I teach evangelism in that way. So when I, when I get to the part where I talk about repentance and faith, I, I usually point to Psalm 51 and I ask people to make it their own, their own prayer, right? Uh, cry out to God and make Psalm 51 your own prayer. Read it, learn it, live it, speak it and mean it from your heart, right? So it's important that people understand why, how we, how I get to Psalm 51, but um, you you touched on something. I don't even, I don't even think you knew that about me about the evangelism. I don't think I but, knew that. So yeah, so yeah, it's uh, evangelism That's is awesome. my heart. We, we do that on a regular basis. Uh, Ecclesia is the church that I go to, and uh, I, we didn't even talk about this to start off with. I am a host. I'm a co-host on Solacast, the the podcast. It's a, a part of the Bar Network. Uh, my two other co-hosts are Chris Hernandez and and Pastor Pastor Chris Hernandez and Pastor Henry Knox. And we all are, um, well, they're, they're pastors at Ecclesia Church. I just became an elder candidate there. And so um, they just nominated okay, me for correct. elder candidate. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's uh, maybe six months that they're, they're going to you know, scrutinize my life, I suppose, and then uh, vote on me in July. And uh, one of the things about it is that since I've been going to Ecclesia, this is the first church I've ever had that, that really backed me up when it came to evangelism and wants to support the evangelism efforts. So that's what we do. And we go out on a regular basis and, and we talk to people uh, where their people are at, which is on the street. And so uh, it's a big part of the life of our church. And it's a big part of what should be the life of any Christian. I believe uh, the opportunity to evangelize and share the, share the, share the good news. Absolutely. I, so I know this is, this is a little off topic, but I got to ask, has, has any of the COVID stuff affected how, uh, how many people are out in the street when you go to do street evangelism? Has there been any difference that you can tell during the pandemic? Yeah, well, so during the um, during the, uh, the 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 big lockdown, we didn't really go out as much because uh, well, everything was on lockdown. Where we normally go, there's a there's a there's a pedestrian bridge that goes across into downtown Dallas. Uh, so I live in Dallas, Texas, mm. or in, you know, right in the suburb of Dallas. So we go down to downtown, right by where the church, right close to where the church is, and we post up on a pedestrian bridge. Right by that pedestrian bridge, there's all these restaurants. And usually people take a walk, you know, after they've had dinner or something like that, they might take a walk down the bridge. Uh, and so we'll, we'll set up there and we, we put up a banner that's got a riddle on it. We slow people down, we talk to them. And uh, during the heyday or during the big part of the pandemic, uh, it, it slowed down quite a bit, right? Uh, but it's at, at some point we decided to go back out there wearing our masks, right? And, um, you know, here's the thing. I'll have the mask, but if somebody comes up and they're, you know, 
not worried about it. I'm not worried about it. We, we, we live in Texas. There's a lot of people that aren't really worried about it. And they've looked, they've looked, they've looked at the numbers and they decided it's 99.5% survivable. If I get it, I get it. I'm just going to go on with my life. And so uh, really there's people with masks. People, and I respect either way. If you kind of want to talk to me and you want to solve the riddle, I'll put a mask on if you're, if you're a little concerned. Uh, I, I don't have a problem. If it gives me the chance to talk to you and evangelize to you, I'll put the mask on. Right. Mm. I would rather I would rather not. Because heart. Yeah. So uh, people come up all the time without masks. Um, the, the thing that I think hinders more than the pandemic is the weather. The colder it gets, the less people come out to the bridge. Right. Um, but we'll still go out there. Makes we'll sense. still go out there and try, you know, and uh, even if we get to talk to one, two, three people. Right. It, it's worth it. There are nights and I'm kidding you not that uh, there are nights that I have to. Get, gather people together. I've had people to stop to try to get, uh, guess the riddle in groups of three or four. And then by the time, okay, so let me ask you the question. So once I get, get to that point, I'll say, hey, let's all just jump together so y'all can hear me explain this. And so, you know, three different groups of two or three ends up being a group of 10 that are standing in front of me listening to the gospel. Oh, wow. And so wow. uh, it, it, it gets to be pretty busy sometimes. And uh, it's 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 interesting the way it works. Now, also there there are times if I have enough volunteers, enough people to come help me out, I will bring the uh, speaker, the ion speaker, and, and I got a couple of mics, and we'll we'll do some open air. It's a little bit different from uh, the open air that you're. When I say open air, a lot of people start thinking about uh, fire and brimstone, turn or burn, <laughs> you know that kind of thing. Uh, I don't I don't exactly do it that way. I I I, I do a little trivia game. I gather a crowd. Once I gather a crowd, I do the same thing I do individually, but with a person uh, that that really I just say, you know, if anybody can prove to me that they're a good person, I'll give them five bucks, right? And so they'll stand, wow. on, they'll stand on the box to prove to me that they're a, a, a good person for five dollars, right? And so I'll ask them, I'll ask them the questions. You know, have you lied? Have you stolen? And uh, you know, of course, they're they're not they're not gonna. They're not going to win. I'll give them the $5 anyway, right? <laughs> but, never, have you ever – you've never found a good person yet, right? I haven't found a good person yet, no. They, they, all, they, all, they all turn out to be uh, wicked sinners. And, wow, uh, to the, unbelievable. <laughs> well, the thing about it is uh, it's, it's good to have a crowd of 50, 60, 70 people. I've had you know, 60, 70, 80 people standing there listening to me. Uh, and I've gone to I've gone to California for the Ambassadors Academy uh, Living Waters, so I've gone with Ray Comfort and those guys out to they you know they're the ones I learned from on how to open air, how to gather a crowd, and so I've I've open air preached on Huntington Bridge, Huntington Beach, uh, or Santa Monica wow. here, and so uh, you know there's pictures out there of uh, when I was with Living Waters uh, doing that, um, so it's you know it's 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 a it's something else to see what God will do. If you're willing to go to kind of an extreme there and uh, gather people to you and, and, and preach the word. So, yeah, the pandemic Amazing. hasn't slowed evangelism down. I don't think the pandemic can slow God uh, down from no. you know what he's going to do. Exactly right. Awesome. OK, well, let's uh, let's dive into Psalm 51 here. You got it. I'm so, ready. Would, would you care? Would you care to read? Uh, you want to read the whole thing? Sure, I can. And I can, then we'll I, dive into it. 
Sure, I can I can go ahead and read it. Um, you know, you, you texted me yesterday and asked me, hey, are we going to read out of the uh, NASB? And I said, I, I guess if we have to. No, I'm just kidding. I have, <laughs> I have an NASB. Uh, it's funny because I think about I think about some other, uh, you know, I think about the Just Thinking podcast and those oh, guys yeah. and how they are with uh, with their ESV the versus NASB, the non-Armenian Standard Bible. And so this is what I'm going to read it out of, the non-Arminian Standard Bible, according to, to, to Daryl Harrison. So I, I will I just start with this by, by saying that uh, I like to read that first part because it's still a part of the psalm, if you ask me, where it says, for the it choir director. Totally yeah. For the totally choir director, yeah. a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. And so starting at verse 1. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part you will make me no wisdom. Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O the God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. By your favor, do good design, build the walls of Jerusalem, then you will delight in righteous sacrifices, in burnt offering and whole burnt offering. The young bulls will be offered on your altar. And that is Psalm 51. I got through it okay. You did. You did so good. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't, I was saying, yeah, I'm not saying, yeah. God is good to have given us such a wonderful song. I'm not sitting here trying to pat myself on the back for how I read that. I was almost no. out of breath there. But, you know. <laughs> you know no, you, you did You did so good at, at, uh, at bringing it out and punctuating it well. Yeah, it was so I'm, I'm glad we got it on the record. I'm just going to say that. You know, it's funny that you say it punctuated well. I've, I've explained this to people about punctuation in the Bible. It matters where you put the comma. It matters the inflection that you use. It matters how you read the Bible. Um, and so, you know, there's there's a lot of times people don't catch that. And people uh, don't understand how the story changes if you're able to um, understand, you know, where it was coming from. A uh, prime example is, uh, I believe it's... Uh, Matthew 24, when they start to ask him, when will these things take place? Um, and Jesus answers them and says, see that no one leads you astray. And people will read it, read it in, a, in, a, in a haphazard manner and they'll say, mm -hmm. see that no one leads you astray. 
And then, like, he's going into explaining when it will happen, when he's actually saying to them, see that no one leads you astray and makes you think that when wars and rumors of wars, just don't let them fool you into thinking that it's coming before it is. <laughs> you know, see that no one leads you astray in this. You know, don't let them tell you about the four uh, or, or about the, the the blood moon and about this and about that. You know, how, how things these, these things are assigned. Uh, that's dangerous stuff. I mean, anyway, I, I, I say that because you talked about, you know, putting the, the punctuation where it's at. It's important that we read the Bible with the, the right punctuation. And that's why we got to study it too. So, so we know super how important. Yeah. Yeah. Super. You've got to know that stuff. Cause you'll, exactly. you'll find a way to misread it. <laughs> We're good. Oh, you'll, yeah. And you know what we've done, uh, misused verses before, you know, in uh, some, mm -hmm. some episodes on solo cast, well, we talk about misused verses and people will just put the comma in the wrong place uh, and they'll read it. Um, like the one, the one that comes to mind is the thief on the cross. Uh, when he tells him, oh, yeah. uh, I tell you uh, today, you will be with me in paradise. Um, some people will move the comma to the end of today and say, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. You see what I'm saying? You see how it changes everything. I tell it you, does. it changes the whole thing. Yeah, it changes everything, and so it's important that we understand and we we study the Bible for uh, the right context and you know what it's actually telling us. Uh, so that's good. But you know, we'll get back to the Psalm fifty-one, right? That's right. Going back okay. to Psalm fifty-one. So uh, in in the first paragraph, we're kind of we're kind of hit from the very beginning. Uh, there's no there's no flowery opening. We're just going straight to petition. Be gracious to me, according to your loving kindness. Wash me thoroughly and cleanse me, for I know my transgressions, my sins. So he he's kind of you can you can hear the urgency in David's voice, like he's got some business to get to. Um, right. Th this is a like you said, it's a penitential psalm. Um, yes. He's he's got he's he's got forgiveness to seek. He's right. got repentance to 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 bring. Yeah, and it's it's the most important thing. He goes right after it. You know, some other versions uh, say, be, have, have mercy on me, oh God. Uh, be gracious and have mercy, uh, kind of interchangeable, kind of uh, the same thing that we look for. But uh, when you're in God's courtroom, right, you aren't looking for, um, you know, how can I bribe the judge if you're guilty and he's a righteous judge? You need mercy. You need for that judge to be gracious. You're you're throwing yourself on his mercy, on his on his kindness, on his love, and just say, "Hey, have mercy on me." And so this is uh this is the thing that I see right off the bat. He's he's asking for mercy. He knows he's guilty. This is an admission. This is a, a, an admission of guilt. He's not he's not trying to make excuses. He's not trying to deflect or or defend his actions. He's not trying to to say uh, you know uh, you know the devil made me do it or. You know, I, I couldn't, you know, couldn't help myself. The temptation was too much. You know, oh, God, why Why would you, you know, that woman that you gave me, God. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, then that's not familiar, huh? <laughs> it does. And so uh, he's not trying. He's owning his sin. And this is one of those things. Against just, you, I have sinned. Right. And you only. I have I have sinned. So I'm not. I'm not a party to somebody else's sin. I haven't been dragged into this sin. I can't blame somebody else for this. I have done the sinning. I've done what's evil in your sight. Yeah. So ultimately, even though he, you know, if you think about the sins that, that, are, that are counted against him in 1 Samuel uh, 11, when you look at the story of uh, Uriah the Hittite and uh, how he 
planned it. And, you know, then he was, then he was kind of shamed uh, uh, when they told him, Hey, we lost the battle. Hey, he was going to get upset about why did y'all get so close to the wall? Oh, and Hey, by the way, Uriah's dead. Oh, let me just be quiet about things then. Uh, and he knew, I mean, that just shows that he knew he was wrong for this. And when Nathan, um, you know, opened his eyes or came to him and told him that story of the, the, the rich man and the, and the, and the poor man with one little ewe lamb, uh, when he told him that story, he was furious with this guy. And uh, when Nathan told him, this man was you, this man, you had everything. Yet God had given you so much, and yet you took from that poor man the one thing that he had. And so uh, he was so upset with that guy. He said, that guy needs to pay four times what he owed, <laughs> what he stole from that guy. Well, this man is you. And here's the, here's the, the problem. <laughs> you're, the, you're the man. And when he tells him that he, good way. Yeah, here's the problem with that. Your eye is dead. Right? You can't bring him back. You can't bring him back. You can't pay him back fourfold. You can't you can't do this, you can't do that. You've you've now got to look right at God and say, I, I took something that belonged to you, a life that belonged to you. All our lives belong to God. Whether we want to admit it or not, our lives are his. And when you've taken from God a life that belonged to him, um, and it's you're confronted with it that way. <laughs> This was this was a, a big Ooh. eye opener for him, and, and he just like uh, have mercy on me, oh God. I've, I've I've sinned against you. I've I've taken a life that that was yours to give or to take, right? And so mm -hmm. um, interesting how he goes into that, how he's looking for a, a cleansing, for how he's looking for a washing, how he's looking for yeah. um, you know uh, some kind of bring me back, right? Bring me back. I'm. Uh, I grew up man, man after your own heart, God, and now I've sinned against you, and I, 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 I need, I seek mercy. I seek mercy. Um, that first stanza, the first paragraph, I, I suppose, if we're breaking it up, is the first four verses, right? Mm -hmm. Right. What we're looking at. So there's something that I use in evangelism. I, I actually have this. I think I have it memorized in the uh, in the New King James version in my mind. Um, <laughs> It just—I'll tell you, Lee. You're okay. <laughs> I'll tell you the reason. Oh, the reason, wow. uh, the reason that I say that is because sometimes it just comes out naturally in my evangelism. Um, I'll start to quote it for someone that have you. Do you have a Bible at home? Yes. Here, I'm gonna write something down for you. I write Psalm 51. I said, "Here, when you get home, open your Bible and read this Psalm. It goes like this: Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness." And I'll quote up until verse four. And the reason that I get to verse four, and this is important, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. You know, the world right now wants to make excuses and they want to say, you know, things like God made me this way, or they want to say, you know, when I get there, if I'm wrong about all this, I'll just tell them like it is. I'll just tell God, you know, if you hadn't done this oh or if you had created this or that, you know, this is the way people are. They think that they'll be able to talk to God. But I read that verse right there so that you're justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. This is the problem with their thinking is that when they stand before him in God's courtroom, no one's going to argue with God. Everyone that no gets, one. everyone, no <laughs> there's, there's absolutely no one that's going to stand before God and have a case that they can make to, to, show how they should be innocent of their crimes. They're gonna see him holy, righteous, 
this good God before their eyes, their eyes will be open to the fact of how holy he is, how righteous he is. And they'll say, uh, I'm going to shut my mouth now. And you are blameless <laughs> in your judgments. And, and they're, they're going to, when he, when he says, depart from me into the everlasting fire, oh when he says that to them, they're going to say, you are right. I got this coming. Right? No one's going to argue. I, I read verse four, and it's so powerful to me, the fact that no one will argue with God on that day. You stand here before me, who's just this peon guy out here trying to preach the good news of Jesus Christ, and you try to make your arguments to me, but on one day you'll stand before a holy and righteous God, and he will be blameless in his judgments. And you'll just be left speechless thinking, I should have listened to that short little guy over there on that bridge that day. <laughs> <laughs> because he's because he he was right. None of us are going to be able to argue with God. None of us are going to be able to to judge him for for being judge. Right. We're all going to be quiet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're not going to be able to go to the go to the wedding feast without having the wedding garment, and you only get the wedding garment from Christ. Exactly. You can't you can't make it yourself. You can't wash your sin away yourself. You know that that's kind of the washing language in here. Kind of reminds me of um, the 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 um, the ritual washing uh, that was done in in Old Testament Israel uh, for for different kinds of ceremonial uncleanness. You you'd have to go and bathe in, in a in a ritual bath, and that would that would cleanse your your un, your uncleanness. Um, and you know, no matter how many times David could have gone and dunked himself in that mikvah bath, he would never have been able to figuratively wash the blood off of his hands, right. uh, or to wash away the sins he committed against both Uriah and Bathsheba. But he had no he had no ability to uh, to to take away his own sin. That that is only that that's the only thing. The only way, only place you can go is the throne room of God to remove your sin from you. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny that you, that you say it that way because I know I know um, and I can tell you stories of people that I that I know that has so been so steeped in their sin, but when they begin to realize how sinful they have been, um, and they try, they try, you know, they they might go in the shower and stay there for um, you know a while trying to clean off the sin, it doesn't come off. What what uh, what scrub brush can you use <laughs> to to remove <laughs> to remove the stain of sin? What what could you possibly use? Because that's it's a stain on your soul. It isn't a stain uh, external. It's it's internal. It's and how can you get to it, right? And so this is one of those things. As I read this uh, a little bit later, when we get into the the hyssop part, somebody's asked me before, what is hyssop, right? And that, that that's that branch that they used that had medicinal purposes in it, right? And uh, people that were unclean that had disease, they 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 need a they needed the hyssop that would uh, help yep. them to get clean. So that's that's interesting that you would say it that way, uh, Lee. It's very good, mm -hmm. right? No one can can cleanse themselves. Uh, we have to ask God to cleanse us from unrighteousness, right? Uh, there's no amount of me scrubbing. And just to to do that for us. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Um, it's good stuff. Okay. Well, next stanza then, maybe. Yeah, let's go. Um. So. Uh, Verse five. The, the thing that stands out to me here, of course, we're, we've been talking about the hyssop. Um, I was, I'm glad you mentioned the medicinal aspect, too, because it not only has that quality, but hyssop was also what was used to 
spread the blood of the Passover lamb on the doorpost mm-hmm. in Exodus. Yes, as well. So we have right. we have that same Passover quality coming in here too. That God is in forgiving; He is passing over these former sins. Yeah, um, and I think yeah. I think that's really important to think about too. Yeah, and I, I you know starting in actually starting in verse five, we we go to uh, this idea of original sin, right? Um, Behold, I was brought yeah. forth in iniquity. Um, this is this is one of those. This is one of those passages I've used to talk about original sin before that, you know, um, through one man, Adam, sin and death entered the world. God created the world perfect. And because of Adam's sin, uh, Adam, those that are outside of Christ are under the federal headship of Adam. And uh, his sin has marked their lives. And I've had conversations with people that don't that don't adhere or don't want to hear about original sin. But this verse five tells us completely. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. That verse right there lets me know that, uh, hey, uh, I wasn't clean when I came out of the womb, right? I've had someone ask me the question, are you telling me that a six-month-old baby uh, is guilty of some type of sin? I, I looked at them and I said, you know, they're so selfish. They keep you up all night. They're always expecting you to feed them. It's all about them. And so, <laughs> and they'll look at me, you can't be serious right now. And I'll look and I'll say, you know what? Just, just hear me when I say this, that God is just in all his judgments. And when it comes to babies, according to the light that they've been given, God will judge righteously, right? So don't worry about that. Or don't try to make that your excuse of why you don't believe in original sin. Original sin exists and you can see it in a one-year-old when he knows he's doing wrong. That little boy will look at you when he's got a, something in his pocket he knows he shouldn't have. And you can see it in his eyes. There's there's this, there's so much truth in verse five, right? That that it gets me, oh, I, yeah. know, I know, and, and you don't have to, you don't have to explain um, every sin that a kid could, could commit to him before he does it. They know when they're guilty, it's in them. They have a conscience. They have, mm-hmm something within them, God has written it on their hearts and they know when they've done wrong. And so, you know, to, to be able to see that, and I've, it's so funny because I have a grandsons, right? Uh, so yeah, I'm an old man. I am an old man. <laughs> and I've got grandsons. Okay, I, the, the, the yeah. silver hairs are a sign of wisdom. <laughs> well, that's what they say. You know, uh, they're also the, the, yeah, that's what the Bible says. The uh, gray hairs are supposed to be a sign of wisdom. I don't know about, you know, how much wisdom I have, but I do know that I've seen my grandsons, I've, I've seen my grandsons when they've been caught and they know they're caught and they know they did wrong. And you ask them the question and they, oh, they yeah. can't, they can't, it just, it just comes out and it exudes. And so you can tell um, original sin is all in verse five, Right. And, but then verse six, I love verse six because this is important. It's an important message, I think, for a lot of people. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being. I always tell people this. The biggest lie you tell is the one you tell yourself. I'm okay. There's nothing wrong with me. I should love me because I am great. Right? And this is the, the world telling people, love yourself for who you are. <laughs> I'm sitting there going the worst advice. <laughs> it is the worst advice. Follow your heart. You're just such a good person, you know. And the world won't oh. want to teach that. They want to set. They want to teach people that that um, that people are inherently good. They just do some bad things. No, we're inherently evil. That once in a while do some good things, right? That's that's really the truth. Exactly. 
And so when I read verse six, I see a lot of truth in there. Behold, you desire truth in the end. Here's what God wants from you. He wants you to tell yourself the truth. I am not all that. I'm a sinner. I'm a wicked, evil person. And I need your mercy. I need your graciousness. I need your kindness. Right? And so that's, that. I love verses five. I, yeah, that is. And, and so uh, I've had people tell me, you're too hard on yourself. And I said, you know what? Um, I am, but I'll tell you this. I believe this one thing. I must decrease. He must increase. Right? The more Jesus I have, the 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 more okay you'll see me be. Right? Because it's no longer I who live, but he that lives in me. The life that I now live, I live by the by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Right? Uh, that's Galatians 2.20, one of my favorite verses. It's not me. It's him. If, if, if he lives in, if he lives in me and, and my life exudes him, then I'm going to be okay. But I'm not going to lie to myself about who I am just to appease, you know, the world or even to make myself feel better about myself. I should feel bad for the, for the sin that I've committed. I should feel guilty. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're a cosmic traitor. Exactly. You, yeah. You're the worst. <laughs> you're, you know, you the, the, speak to yourself, Lee. <laughs> everybody that's listening should speak to themselves about this and tell themselves the truth. Tell yourself the truth. Who are you really, right? Until you tell yourself the truth, how, how can you repent of something you keep denying? Right? How, come, how, how can you right. repent of anything that you continue to, to say, that's not me, I'm not that guy? Right? No, tell yourself the truth. You have lied. You have stolen. You have looked with lust. Right, and so these things until you until you uh, admit them, you'll never repent for them. You'll you'll keep on deflecting and making excuses and trying to defend yourself and and say that it wasn't me, it was that guy, and the devil made me do it. I well, that that really gets me too because there's a lot of people that that hang on to the devil made me do it. No, 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 mm-hmm. you were enticed and you did it. You went for it, right? <laughs> Let's just be you honest, are, right? Let's just be honest, right? So that's why I well, love. Well, and that's why evangelism is so important because how you see those things, we're so good at deluding ourselves and, and kind of painting over our image to make us look the way that we want to look to ourselves. But when you shine the law on people uh, in, in a moment of evangelism and you show them just how wicked they are, you're beginning to show them the wisdom uh, that they need to know in, in, their, in their deepest, in, the, in their heart of hearts, like it says in verse 6. Yeah. We have to we have to show them that because you know people will Paul says it and we see it every day people subvert the truth in unrighteousness and so they refuse to see themselves as the sinners that they truly are um, so that's why we have to not only give them the law show them that they're wicked that they're traitors against the holy God um, but like R.C. Sproul says one of my favorite things that he said was that uh, every sinner is a is a it's guilty of cosmic treason against uh, the, the one holy God. And when we can use the word uh, to, to bring the law against that sin in their heart, to begin to show them that wisdom, and we, then we hit them with the gospel. You are, you're bad, but Christ is good. And Christ yeah. forgives sins. He seeks and saves those who are lost. Yeah. And even in this... Yeah, even in the stanza that we're that we're reading, starting in verse five and ending in nine, there you see him uh, starting off with that darkness. That behold, I was fr- brought forth in iniquity. But as you go through it, you see him uh, saying, "Okay, hey, you're so see if you turn, tell yourself the truth, then in, in the hidden part you'll become a little bit wiser, and then you'll get purified. You'll be washed. 
right? And then you'll have joy, you'll have gladness. The bones which have to be broken first, wow. then, then begin to rejoice, right? And then, and then yeah. you, you look at that last part, hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Well, we started in darkness, now we have a new, a fresh start, right? And so that that's how that that little progression goes through there. And then, and then man, you get to a culmination in verse 10. I love verse 10. Uh, Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. That creating me a clean heart, O oh God, is is uh, something I use in evangelism. I tell them all the time. You see, the problem, uh, when people tell me, uh, you know, it's okay, God knows my heart. I'll say, he, he definitely does. Your heart is deceitfully wicked and desperately sick, <laughs> you know? And and you need, uh, a, you need a clean heart. You need yeah. a new heart. You know, there's even a, there's a verse uh, Genesis six five. If you'll go read that, it says uh, you know God looked down to look on mankind to see if there was anything, and he saw that uh, even the intent of his heart was only evil continually, continually. <laughs> I read that continually. That got me when I read that, and I said, Oh my goodness, I'm I'm, I'm an evil man, and I have evil thoughts continually. Right, but but here I'm I'm saying this is the answer. Give me a new heart, God. Create a clean heart in me. Change my heart. I need a heart transplant. That's what I need, right? That's what we all need. We need heart transplants. We need a new heart. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. And you know we we have these discussions on solo casters a lot of times. We'll end up talking about social justice and racism and things like that that go on in the culture and in the world and stuff like that. And we have all these people that talk about how the racial reconciliation can happen. And, and I'm sitting here going, what are you talking about? Because all we need to do is preach the gospel. When someone comes to Christ, they'll get a new heart, new desires, right? And the old man will, will be dead in his trespasses. He'll be gone. And this new man will, will exist where uh, Christ in his body has broken down the wall of division between us. And those that are in the body of Christ come, come from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, uh, different shades of melanin. And I'm telling you, the answer to racism is not some uh, racial reconciliation program in your church. <laughs> it is a new heart. It is a new heart, Absolutely. new desires. And so we've got the wrong idea. We're chasing the wrong thing. We just need to preach the gospel. And so, um, you know, that's the thing that I see in verse 10. It's one of my favorite verses uh, from this psalm. It just, it just tells me that uh, we, this is the answer. Let God put a new heart in you. And uh, that's, that's where I would uh, point people to. Ask for a clean heart. Because yeah, without that, you're, you're basically uh, covering up uh, symptoms of that, of that sick and broken uh, and wicked heart. You know, you can preach moralism all day long and, and be a better person, be a better you, do this or do that. But if you haven't, if you haven't preached uh, conversion, if you haven't uh, um, called on people to repent of their sins and believe and, and to have a new heart, uh, the mission isn't, isn't accomplished. <laughs> you know, yeah. we're, not yeah. about, we're not about changing behavior. We're about, we're about heart transplants first. Behavior will follow. But until people are reconciled to God and receive a new heart, a heart of flesh, to swap out their heart of stone, uh, to use Ezekiel's uh, phrase, um, you're fighting a losing battle. You're you're just uh, you're just changing behavior at yeah. best. Yeah, um, that's not the work. Exactly, exactly. People with hearts of stone that uh, do good things, 
are really still sinning because their their glory is their own, right? And mm-hmm. see, God will share His glory with no one. And so the the, the problem with uh, the problem with self righteousness um, is that you want the glory for that, and you still see it that way. I can be a good person without God. Well, no, you can't. The problem isn't that that you're without God. I mean, it is, but. The problem is your heart of stone, you know. Uh, yeah. So it's just like until you get that that heart of flesh, then uh, you'll still see things in that old way. I can work my way there. You can't. There's nothing you can do. No, you David, <laughs> David is pretty clear in this psalm alone, talking about in sin my mother conceived me. I ha- I'm in original sin. I need washing. I need cleansing. I need the hyssop. I need Christ. I think you alluded to Christ in that with the hyssop uh, and the and the branch. I, I don't know if people caught that, but hundred percent, a hundred, yeah, a hundred, a thousand percent. Believe I'm so mm-hmm. so true that we need Christ. Uh, without Christ, we're lost. We have nothing, um, and so it's good. Um, the rest of this stands like what he says in in verse twelve. You know, talking about that, restore yeah. to me the joy of your salvation. Number one, we don't have the salvation without Christ. Number two, we won't even have joy in it without Christ as well. And when we've lapsed in sin and we feel that joy getting sapped away by, by the darkness of the sin that, that still um, clings to us, yeah. uh, we have to go to him not only to uh, renew the joy that, that comes with a right relationship with our creator, but um, to, to even appreciate and, uh, and, and strengthen uh that feeling toward our own salvation, let alone our own happiness. But remembering, oh, yes, I'm saved. I'm not marked by my sin anymore. Uh, I should no longer desire to sin. And when I, when I do sin, I, I, can seek, I can seek for mercy. I can repent. Uh, I, can, I can ask to be close to the Lord again and that joy be restored. And, he will, and he'll do it. There's no, there's no. Well, we'll see. We'll see if he does or not. We'll roll the dice and see what comes out for me. You know, he will do it. That's his delight. Yeah, is to be with and, his children. And you know, I just just to touch on that a little bit. When you talk about the joy, there's a. I know that uh, you might find this. I find it cliche sometimes when people say, you know, joy is different from happiness. And the fact of the fact mm-hmm. of the matter is, though, that uh, one of the things I learned early on is, is if if I if I and constantly in the pursuit of my happiness, which is something big in this country, in this nation right here. It's like the pursuit oh, yeah. of happiness is one of the biggest things uh, to go for in this country. You you, you want to seek a happy life. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> maybe. Let's just look at it this way. How about, how about we seek a joyous life in light of who God is in our lives, in light of the fact that mm-hmm. he saved us uh, from, his, from his wrath? Right. Uh, when I think of the, the joy of my salvation, when I think of what he's brought me from, uh, it doesn't matter how much money I have or how, you know, what kind of living conditions I'm in. Paul was in prison singing to God and the walls shook. Right. Mm-hmm. And think about oh, yeah. think of the, the chains were broken. It's just one of these one of these uh, the problems that I think people have is they're they're looking for their um, for their happiness in their material things and they they lose out on something. The joy of God's salvation has nothing to do with the material gain that you might have or or anything like that. Joy of your salvation. That phrase is so important. There's joy in knowing that He's brought you from darkness to light. 
There's joy in knowing that that he's brought you from death to life, right? Um, I, I, I wonder about Lazarus when he came out of the tomb. Was he counting <laughs> how much money he had? Was he counting, you know, the, the material wealth that he had? Or was he just like, I'm alive, right? So at, at this point, what what could you give Lazarus that was more than the life that, that had just been given to him by Jesus Christ? <laughs> What more? I can't think of anything. So when people tell me about, you know, is that all? <laughs> it's everything. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I'm flabbergasted by some people that would just not, not understand that. Uh, but then again, I, I do understand that, you know, light has been given and I thank God every day that he's opened my eyes to his word. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's totally. important too. Yeah. So um, I think when we get to verse 13, are did you have another Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was about to move to verse 13. <laughs> this is my call. See, this is the thing. How can yeah. you not want to speak God's truth after you, he's shown you these truths? See the progression? Now, you know, cleanse me from unrighteousness. Then, you know what? I'm going to teach transgressors your ways. Right? I'm going to go and evangelize. I'm going to go and, 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 and I'm going to do, you know, this is the thing I do on the streets. I, I point people to this. Uh, as as a you know as a substitute for what they would call the sinner's prayer, right? And I ask them to make it. Oh, right. Yeah. So yeah. I don't. When I'm on the streets and I'm evangelizing, uh, I've had people ask me, "Why don't you lead them in a sinner's prayer?" And I say, "Because I don't really know if the Holy Spirit has moved upon them, right? Uh, when the Holy, it's, salvation is of the Lord, right? It's the Holy Spirit that does the saving. It isn't the fact that somebody repeated after me. I point this, them to the song because there's so much truth." Uh, but my, my prayer is, is, is always this, that once someone, once the Holy Spirit has moved upon this person and they see the, the value of this psalm uh, in, in understanding repentance and coming to know God, that maybe, maybe I've just had a hand that God has used me as some type of means to create another evangelist, right? Just to sure. create someone who wants to... Uh, speak the word of God that wants to uh, bring others to, to know Jesus Christ. Um, it's a desire of mine to, to, to make other evangelists. I'm an evangelist and I want others to be evangelists as well. And so this is when I get to verse 13, I'm, I'm sitting there going, yeah, that's me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. Right. And so well, I'm appreciative. It's, that it's, it's totally tied to the joy in his salvation as well, because oh, most if definitely. you're joyous, about your salvation, if you understand the treasure you have by being forgiven in Christ, then of course you're going to want to see other people get that joy from that renewed relationship <laughs> with God. Uh, so it, it seems to go hand in hand. And, and I think a, a joyous messenger is a better messenger uh, of the gospel too. Yeah. You're showing, right in doing that, you're showing the fruit of the very message that you're proclaiming. Yeah. from your own heart it's 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 funny because i've had people tell me this is so obviously you can tell that i get a little hyped up about about these types of things that i'm going to no. tell you something <laughs> a friend of mine a friend of mine came out to the bridge where i was uh doing some open air preaching one day i had invited him to come out see what we were doing out there you know and he came out and uh, he he brought his girlfriend first time i'd ever met her and they stood on the side i seen him when he i saw him when he when he showed up but i kept on preaching I was on the box at the moment when he showed up. Uh, and when I was done, I, I got down, I went over to him and I said, uh, 
man, I'm glad you made it out. And and the first thing he tells me is this. He said, bro, you got a gift, right? Now, my answer to oh, wow. him as soon as, as soon as he said that was, um, my answer to him was like, I don't know about a gift. Experience I have. I don't know about a gift, right? And the reason I told him that is because I don't want him to think that he doesn't have the gift, you know? And and mm. people will talk themselves out of doing open air. They'll talk themselves out of street street witnessing because they, they figure, oh, somebody else has that gift. I, I don't have that gift, right? But I'm going to tell you something. Right. That gift that gift is something that um, God will hone if you if you put feet to it. If you just go and, and, and intentionally go out there and try to find somebody to witness to, and this is this is one thing I, I share with a lot of people. This is one of my uh, I this prayer that I kind of just I penned it myself. Small little thing that I pray. Um, lead me to it, and I'll do it. Open a door, and I'll walk through it. Give me someone today that I might speak to about you. Right. This is a God honoring prayer that is in God's will that God will honor. <laughs> I'm going to tell you more that more often than not, you pray that prayer in the morning. Watch out. You're going to have a conversation that day. You're going to have some type of conversation <laughs> where, you know, because this is this is the kind of, of prayer that is God honoring. This is in God's will. Right. God doesn't uh, always. Right. You know, He's not going to answer prayers that that uh, aren't are self-serving or self-seeking or they, they don't do have, have anything to do with the kingdom of God. Um, he's going to answer prayers that, that, uh, lead to his glory. Right. And so this is one of, this is one of those things that I tell people when I look at, um, this particular Psalm and I'm looking at these verses where he's talking about sinners will be converted to you. That joy thing that you're talking about, people see it in me because there is nothing like oh, yeah. being out there in a gospel conversation and knowing that the Holy Spirit is on you and in this conversation, mm-hmm. right? Uh, there's a, there's a, in Luke, I'm sorry, in John chapter four, there's a story about the woman at the well, the woman of Samaria. And uh, at the very end of that, he has a gospel conversation with her, by the way. Uh, he, he talks to her, he, he presents her with the law when he talks about, you know, bring your husband to me. And then uh, he reveals himself to her when he says, you know, when Messiah comes, he says, I that am speaking to you am he. And she is just like, wow, oh, I'm speaking to the Messiah. <laughs> she, <laughs> runs off, she, she runs off and evangelizes the whole town. <laughs> she brings back this yeah. whole town to speak to Jesus. Come and, come and, come and hear, hear from a man who, who told me all about myself, right? <laughs> the thing is, when the disciples had come back and they asked him or they saw him, hey, why were you talking to her? They said, hey, are, are, are you hungry? We brought some, back some food. And you know what he said? And I love this. I, I use this all the time. I tell people this all the time. I have food you know not of, right? Yeah. <laughs> I am filled right now with what just happened, right? And I'm going to tell you, that's the way I feel about evangelism. When you talk about the joy of your salvation and going out and witnessing to other people, I experience that on a regular basis because uh, I'm, I want to obey what he's commanded me to do and I go out and witness. Lee, that's not to say that I don't like get nervous when I go out to evangelize. Every Friday night when we're about to go out there to evangelize, I make excuses for why I shouldn't go. <laughs> but, then, <laughs> but then once once I get out there and I start to evangelize, all that goes away. And I remember the joy that comes with just sharing good news with people. And so, yeah, I think you're right. The joy of your salvation, teaching transgressors your ways, it, it all goes together. Good stuff. Sure does. Sure does. Okay. Uh, next stanza then. 
Um, so we're back to we're back to the petition. Deliver me from blood guiltiness. So he's uh, I, I love this because he's I mean he knows he's forgiven. You know we, we've already talked about the the cleansing. Uh, we, we've talked about the hyssop. He's asked you know for a, a steadfast spirit to be renewed, but he's not going to forget what he's come from. So we know that God. God forgives and, and he casts those sins away. Okay, we we get that. We understand that. But uh, I, I think it's important, too, that that maybe we not forget. That we remember and, and humble ourselves to th- yeah. not to think that because we're forgiven, we're above it all. You yeah. know, uh, we, we know our sin. Uh, and, and I think it's a, an important part of our sanctification that we that we remember it enough to be desperate not to repeat it. Yeah. Well, I'm going to give you something I think about verse 14 and even into the, into the rest of the stanza. Um, I know that there are people that get to a place where I've done so much wrong that I'm not worthy to go out and evangelize. Right. This is how they, this is how they rationalize. I'm just not worthy. Hmm. My, My sin is so bad. My sin is so bad that, I shouldn't, I'm not worthy to be out evangelizing or even speaking his name. Right. And this is a, this is a tactic. Of, this is a tactic of the enemy. Right. And right here in verse 14, you'll see that deliver me from blood guiltiness. What is blood guiltiness? Right. This is murder of the highest mm-hmm. order. This is, this is what he's going to, I, I am guilty of taking a man's life. But here's the, here's the thing I believe he's asking in this verse. He's asking, don't let that be a hindrance to your work, God. Don't let that be a hindrance to what you have me here for. Let me continue forward. Uh, deliver me from all these thoughts that I'm not worthy enough to be preaching your your word. You're right. Del- deliver me from the blood guiltiness, the thing that would stop me from, from doing that. Because you see the very next line, he says, then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. Oh, Lord, open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise. Right? So here's here's what he's saying. Don't let this shame and this guilt and this thing about the murder hold me back from preaching who you are, right? And this is, uh, I've seen it so many times that people will down themselves about the sin that's in their lives or, or how, they've, how they've stumbled or how they've fallen. And I'm just not worthy to go out there and evangelize or I'm not worthy to, to do this and do that. And I think verse 14 tells us, you know what? Ask God to take that away from you because that's not of him. He, he, there is not a single person that's ever evangelized that wasn't a sinner before he, he started preaching the word of God. And as a matter of fact, still falls into it once in a while, right? Still is not perfect. It's the curse. Right? It, it is. We live in a, in a sin-cursed world. And, and one of the things that you got to remember that Paul said, who will deliver me from this body of death? Even Paul felt the effect of the sin cursed world and the sin that was that's that would so easily beset him. Right. Uh, as the author of Hebrews would say, right. Like sure. Paul, yep. would, Paul, Paul would say that thanks be to God that he would send Jesus Christ to, to, to save us from that. Right. But it's not like we've been, we're still in this world. So we're going to be every once in a while, we're going to stumble into some sin. If you, if you allow that to hold you back from, from preaching the word, if you don't dust yourself off, Repent of your sin, get up and, and go to work. I to me that's that's what verse 14 and 15 and 16 are, are telling me. I'm I'm reading that and I'm saying I can't wallow in the sin that 
got me right. this time. I'm not going to let it get me. I'm not going to let it put me down, and I'm not let it going to hinder the, the work of, of the Lord. I'm going to get up. I'm going to repent, and I'm going to get up, and I'm going to go, right? And this is, I think, yep. if anybody's listening, that if anybody that's listening can hear what I'm what I'm saying with that, I know there are people out there. I've I've I felt it myself, right? And I've I've told people too. Hey, don't let that stop you from doing God's work. Get up, let's go, right? And so I, that's that's kind of how I look at verses 14, 15, and sixteen. Anyway, Dude, that's so good. <laughs> All right, that's so good and so. And so correct too, because but like you said, every every person out there is a sinner. I mean, there is not a single good person walking the planet right now. So to make that the the thing that disqualifies you from witnessing to the glory of the gospel and the power of God uh, is totally illegitimate. Yeah. Uh, well, the fact is that the people who who can testify to the goodness of God are those guilty people who have been forgiven. Most definitely, and, and yeah, it's it's so important that people will uh, will stand up and take notice that hey, uh, every person that has ever preached to somebody else is a sinner. <laughs> it just there's there's not a single except for Jesus Christ. There was uh, every preacher that has come before you, every preacher that has stood in the pulpit and preached to you, sinner, <laughs> sinner saved by Christ, yeah. right? You know so. Uh, Every single there's, one. There's no excuse for us to not go and do what he's called us to do. And uh, 17. When we get to 17, I, I, I really like this. Uh, this is the one thing that that uh, when I read, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. It's not the same as what you know somebody would hear uh, as a broken heart today, or you know what the world would tell you a right. broken heart is. It, it's there's some people wouldn't want to put a romantic spin on this and mm-hmm. and say oh your your heart is broken no you know what what he's saying is is this nobody comes to God with an arrogant attitude with a prideful attitude what they what they come they come with they come to him humbled right um, mm-hmm. he exalts he exalts the lowly right um, he resists the proud he gives grace to the humble that person that has Admitted to himself, yeah, this is me. I'm an evil person. I'm an evil man. I need a savior. I need a clean heart. Uh, that humbled man is that broken spirit that's being talked about in verse 17. Uh, the sacrifices of God, um, that broken spirit, that repentant heart, God will not despise that. He will exalt that person. He will, he will take that person and say, okay, now you know. Now you understand. Now you're telling yourself the truth, and I can work with this, right? Not that God couldn't just make you do whatever you want to do, but you understand. <laughs> you understand what you understand. My point uh, is this: Absolutely. at this point, we can see ourselves as okay. Anyone that, that comes to Him with an arrogant idea of who who they are before God hasn't come to know the real God, right? They're still depending on themselves, and they still see themselves as something special. Um, I am nothing, right? Without Christ, who am I? What would I be? And mm-hmm. I, I often quote this one thing, and then uh, people get tired of me saying it, but uh, when he asked Peter, will you leave too? After the 70 had left, he's, are you going to leave too? Where would we go? You have the words of life. I can't, I can't just dream of going anywhere else but to God's word and to, and to Jesus, right? Uh, and so 
for me, when I read uh, this right here, I realize that I'm nothing and he's everything. And uh, that's not a pat on the back for me. It's just the, it's just the fact of the matter. He opened my eyes. Now I see myself for who I am. I've admitted it to myself and I know I need a savior. And uh, my, my prayer is always and constantly will be, I need you. Lord, I need you. And so that's, that's what I think verse 17. It's a, I know that's a lot to say on one verse, but I love this verse. I love the fact that it, that it points the fact out. Nobody comes to God with arrogance and pridefulness. They come broken. Well, and the, yeah, that's all in there. And, and I love that it's, that it is kind of set up as um, the punchline, so to speak, uh, in kind of a takedown of the sacrificial system at the same time. So, yeah. you know, we've, we've, the types and shadows that came through the sacrificial system uh, were meant to point to Christ, but as with so many things, um, they were taken kind of as, as an end in and of themselves. So people were coming, they were bringing their burnt sacrifices, right? But yeah. they were still doing it with a proud heart. Like, look at me. I brought, I brought the best of my flocks. I'm yeah. doing it so, I'm doing it so right. Yeah. Uh, God's got to be so proud of me. Yeah. And even God doesn't need, he didn't need meat. <laughs> you know, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, like right. in another psalm. Right. He didn't need all, all of this barbecue, as delicious as it might have been. Yeah. The real, the true worship of God is, is that broken and contrite heart before him, the, the humility to realize I'm insufficient in myself uh, to, to, uh, to satisfy my deepest need. Only God can do that. Only yeah. God can satisfy the longing in my heart for a right. relationship with my creator. Yeah. You, you, no, you, no amount of, of ox, oxen or, or goats will ever fix that. I have to come to him in humility. Yeah. You, you, you got me thinking about Isaiah 1 when he says, away from me with your vain oblations. Mm-hmm. Why, why, do you, why do you come to this altar with these things? I, I, I can't even stand it anymore. Get away from me with these vain offerings. They're empty. There's nothing. I, I've talked about. <laughs> I, I, I've talked about uh, you know the vanity. You know you read Ecclesiastes, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. I, and I've talked about how uh, empty some people's words are. You know, uh, and I you know I have three daughters, and so I used to tell my daughters, watch out for those boys that give you empty nothings and they whisper empty nothings in your ear. They don't mean what they say. Oh right? nap. <laughs> So <laughs> and they and they they when I tell them that they're like, you know, it's it's hard to d- differentiate. But God God will give you insight. God will help you to see, for, give you discernment, let you know, right? But this is this is the thing. As as a as a father of daughters who want the best for his children, I want them to know when someone's telling him empty empty things. And get away from me with your empty sayings. What's the what's the purpose of that? It's the same way God sees it, and so I think that's so important. Wow, we've gotten to more to than the, words. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I remind me of song. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's song. That together. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that song. Uh, oh man, we got to talk about that at some other point. Maybe not tonight. Uh, but uh, the the last two verses are uh, interesting to me because they they seem like they're they're tacked on. And they don't seem like the rest of the of the of the psalm, but they have something to do with what what proceeds from from a person that has come to to know God and becomes a member of a community of, of believers, right? Because now we're talking about 
Zion, about building the walls. So when it says Jerusalem, my, in my mind, I think about the church. I think about uh, I think about how we come together and it, and we get built up in the church. The purpose for the church, for the for the local congregation, for the local body, is to build up that body of believers in the knowledge and, and the and the truth and the grace of Jesus Christ, right? And so I, I read verse eighteen, and and while it feels like it's not it, like it like it doesn't fit, somehow it does fit. And the context is this: you come to Christ, and Christ will make you useful for His kingdom. Christ will make you useful to build the walls of Jerusalem, right? And and that's that's what I see in verse eighteen, and then in verse nineteen, um, when we talk about you will delight. Just a minute ago, we were talking about vain oblations, but verse nineteen kind of goes to show that in Christ you may bring material things, but God honors those now because you've come with the right heart, right? This is the same thing you look at Cain and Abel about, right? It wasn't it wasn't about the the, the offering that Cain brought it was the attitude he brought it with right yeah and so and so these are these are some of the things that we need to understand about verses 18 and 19 uh he makes us fit for the kingdom right and so this is this is the, mm -hmm. the thing and at, at the end of the of the verse we see the purpose in it all of why he would change our hearts it isn't for my own edification it's for the edification of the body it's for the building up of, of other saints it's it's so that god is glorified in a people that come after him, that that follow after him, if that makes sense. That's how I that's how I yeah. look at verses eighteen and nineteen. Absolutely, and and he blesses their righteous sacrifices. That, yes. that's the operative word there in verse nineteen. Yes, you know we we do bring sacrifices in, in a certain way. You know, uh, I think of when we give uh, we give our money uh, into the church for the work of of, of the church. Yeah. Um. Or, or when we give our time, yes. you do. Uh, when you give your time in street evangelism, these are righteous sacrifices if we're doing them out of a heart of worship to honor God and to further the work of the gospel. Yeah. Uh. And th and there is blessing that comes with that. It's not the kind of blessing that the prosperity preachers say, where you if you give a certain <laughs> amount of money, God will increase it a hundredfold or whatever. Yeah. But. but, <laughs> but the benefit is, you know that that you have you've given you've worshiped now in a way that has honored god that it, it has pleased him it's pleasing in his sight and is a good witness to the world around you of of the truth of the gospel so that is a reward right there whether you know whether whether you recoup that money back in some way or another yeah that's that's totally far far down on the list of importance when yeah. it comes to what the sacrifice actually is yeah this is uh, this is something I tell people all the time because sometimes they look at, you know, are you get anything back for that? Because, man, I'll tell you what, uh, you 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 hit on something that goes back to my roots. I grew up in a prosperity-based kind of church, right? Like if you give, he'll give you back. Shaken, not stirred, mm -hmm. pressed down, he's going to give you back you know, all this. And and it was just all material things. And, and uh, to, to have to come out of that, I still have relatives that are kind of stuck in that in that word of faith movement. Uh, with the word faith ideology, the way they think about those those types of things, but uh, I'm going to tell you something: the 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 joy that God gives us is in the peace that He gives us, peaceful lives, right? The the fact of the matter is, as a Christian, there's a lot less drama in my life than there used to be when I was not a Christian. There's a lot more peace that goes on in my life than there was before I became a Christian. Um, there's not, there's not, <laughs> I hardly ever see, you know, flashing lights or sirens behind me ever anymore. 
since I became a mm-hmm. Christian. And it's just the way he transforms our lives and, and, and makes the your life that living sacrifice. Right? Absolutely. That that that, that thing that, that, that shines and says, you know what? Hey, my life is his. I give it all up. I give it all up. And I think that one of the biggest things that we can do is is to stop worrying about building our treasure here or, you know, if I give, will I get it in return? No, we should build our treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't corrupt, where, where thieves can't break in and steal. And so I, I say that often to people. Stop building your treasure here on earth in this temporal place, right? But build your treasure in heaven. And am I saying we don't need money? Of course not. I'm not fooled. <laughs> right. but, I am, but I am saying that there's something more. And I want to point out we have the that. we have the luxury and in the privilege as Christians to see those things as um, uh, tools of investment more than trophies to rack up. So yeah. where where people determine their value by how how many uh, zeros are behind the dollar sign uh, uh, behind their name, uh, you know we we know that everything we have is is a gift from God and to be used to to further the kingdom to glorify His name uh, and, and to redeem the time. So we, we can't claim that anything that we have is truly our own, that we've built it ourselves. Everything's a gift from God. And when you have that view of everything in your life, um, that really changes what you do. And it, it sets you in a, in a more, certainly in a gospel centered direction, but also in, in a, uh, um, more of him, less of me direction. Like you, like you said before, we minimize ourselves. We use what we've been given to further the kingdom, not to further our own agenda, our own ego. Yeah. And like you said, we're part of a community. So, you know, if we're, if we're interested in building the walls of Jerusalem, AKA um, strengthening our, our individual uh, congregations that we're in or partnering with other churches for the work of the gospel, absolutely full speed ahead. <laughs> that's, that's what we've been called to. And that's exactly. What it is. It is. And I think, uh, when when uh people if people were to understand the 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 if they would get out of the mindset it, i think the progression of this psalm is so important that you see that the at the end service in the kingdom is 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 vital right that he's 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 doing something in you in that uh contrite spirit that contrite heart coming to know who you are coming to understand who you are seeing your need for a savior and then going to work for him is all this um, work his work, the work that he's doing in us is uh, ultimately to build his kingdom, right, and to and to bring him glory. And I, I think a lot of people, time a lot of times, people don't don't see or understand that because they still got this mindset that it's about me and what is God doing for me. Um, but we got to get out of that mindset and start serving uh, in our local church and our local body and helping to build others and, and to bring them the, to a, a a right knowledge of who Jesus is. And I think that's I think that's one of the most important lessons I have learned in my Christianity, in my Christian walk. That um, you know, what, Lee, I, I don't care if I have to sweep the floors of Ecclesia or if I you know if I. <laughs> in, in fact, you know, I'll, I'll put the chairs. Out. What what is it going to take for me to serve the body and make sure that everybody has a seat, right? Mm-hmm. Or everybody you know that, right. that comes in has a program, or you know what 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 can I do? And this is my attitude since God has brought me through this progression of this psalm. He's brought me through this progression and I, I see and understand that my my job is to is to try to bring others however I can. If that if that means being a doorkeeper in the house of my God, I would rather do that. 
right? And I, I don't I don't think people quite understand that sometimes because they're looking for I hate to say it, but within Christian circles, there there is this idea that I can be famous as a Christian, right? I can be this oh, famous yeah. this famous oh, Christian, yeah. right? And um, I get accused of that too sometimes because of solo cast. <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've heard that too. Like, if you're a podcaster, you're just you're just looking to to get famous and make money. Well, I'll tell no. you, the we've been doing this for three years. Neither of those things have come true. No, uh, and and that's not even the goal. Uh, right. The goal was to use these devices that are at our um, that are that are available to us to to reach people with the gospel, to get yeah. sound doctrine out on the internet uh, yeah. into people's ears. Uh, and into to further the work of the kingdom you know, with whatever tools are out there in front of us. And yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I know that's the heart of SoloCast, too, because I hear that every time I listen to your show. Believe me, if if, if SoloCast was intended to, to make us famous and bring us money, brother, I could, I could do uh, the money part. I could do just driving an Uber. I've done it before. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, it isn't, it isn't, it isn't necessarily like that. And I, I've had people ask me, how, you know, how much, how much, bro, what are you, what are you talking about? We don't even, we're not even looking. What universe are you living in? Yeah, exactly. And this is, this is not, God has given us the means. And I'm going to say something early on in the, in our show, when we were early doing, doing solo cast, when it was just me and Pastor Chris, um, we were looking, we had, we started out with $18 mics that we got on Amazon. And you can tell, if you go to the very first episode, you can tell the quality of the, of the mics way back then. Uh, but we, we, we got a chance to go to G3 in 2019 and we thought, Hey, let's, let's, uh, you know, take our equipment and do a podcast while we're out there. But so if we do a round table with the people that go with us, cause we had a, a party of people that were going with us and just get all the, Hey, but we wouldn't need an omnidirectional mic at that point. And I was like, started looking around. Guess what? Right at that time, I got my tenth um, anniversary uh, at my job where I work, and they said, "Hey, here's a here's a gift book of of gifts that you can get with your tenth uh, anniversary." Get, guess what was in there? A Yeti microphone, omnidirectional, <laughs> really nice mic, right? And and I said, "Uh, for free? Let me go ahead and get that." And now Solacast has a Yeti mic. And and people think, wow, oh, how can how can you guys uh, you know uh, do all this or that you know and where do you get your mics and how do you, uh, brother? God makes a way. I just like By you know, hey. <laughs> well, I don't know what you want me to say, but obviously God wanted us to do that podcast episode, <laughs> and we still use the Yeti. <laughs> we we now that we're all you know we kind of do our our podcasts on Zoom. Uh, we have mm. uh, you know our own separate mics, and you know they're nicer mics. We. We uh, uh, spent some money on them, uh, but that Yeti mic still comes in handy once in a while. We'll do Bible sure. studies or we'll do men's uh, men's uh, breakfast, and that Yeti mic will be sitting on the table for us to record what goes on there. Uh, but it's interesting stuff. Anyway, that's I think a, a big piece of this song. Well, we have gone <laughs> through this whole song. What do you got for us next awesome. week? <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, it's it's been great going through this song with you this evening. You picked you picked a very good one. Uh, not that not that any of them aren't good, but right. uh, this this is a I don't know an especially poignant song, especially for me. Uh, so uh, it was it's been a real pleasure talking through it with you. Uh, yeah. why, if you don't mind share uh, sharing with the audience uh, where folks can find you and find Solacast online. 
Sure, sure. Well, I mean, of get course, that, get that out there. Sure, uh, you you can find Solocast on any any podcast platform, Apple or uh, Spotify or uh, you know Google Play. I think you can find us. Uh, it's Sola Space Cast, and uh, you can also find us on Instagram at. Uh, oh man, Chris always is the one that does these. You know what? Go to our <laughs> website. Go to our website www.thesolacast.com. Uh, you you can find us though at uh, at Solacast Sola underscore Cast on uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, Facebook, you just put it in the, in the search bar Solo Space Cast, and you should be able to find us. But uh, if you want to just reach out to me personally I, uh, on Twitter, I'm at Los Jimmy. And so uh, you know, I'm not I, I'm not like as active as Pastor Chris is on on Twitter, but I do respond to the messages that I get through Twitter. And so I've had people reach out and ask me for prayer and. And ask for this and that, and tell me that they, you know, that they enjoy the show and this, that, and the other. Uh, but you know, Pastor Chris is the one that puts out the controversial tweets, um, and it's you know, Pastor Henry, yes, he Pastor Henry Knox is is the one that on Facebook he puts out real controversial stuff over there. So if you want controversy and stuff, follow those guys because those guys are. <laughs> so you know, and it, it, when you go finding uh, you know Facebook, when you go find us, you, you'll see us there, and you'll be you'll be able to you know, kind of linked to all of us. Uh, but, um, yeah, you can find us at those, at those, uh, handles right there, but, you know, go, go to, uh, our website and check out our podcast. Uh, I think you'll enjoy some of the episodes that are there and anything that's controversial as Pastor Chris always says the same thing. If you have any pushback, but I, I kind of get the feeling here on guys with Bibles that nobody's going to push back on Psalm 51. I don't know. Maybe they yeah. are. Uh, that has never been our experience. So you're in a safe space. You know, it's it's funny because we have gotten I we have we have had someone critique a YouTube video of ours, and uh, someone told us, "Hey, they did a whole hour episode on their podcast critiquing your podcast." <laughs> I said, really? And when I went to go see it, I said, "Okay, so it's true. This guy spent a whole hour breaking down our podcast," and um, wow. somebody told us. Hey, that's how you know you've arrived. And I said, I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. But it was interesting to see that somebody had taken the time to do that. It's funny. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, Jimmy. Well, thank you so much. It's been uh, really refreshing talking with you tonight. Uh, yeah, and uh, I, I'm just so I'm thrilled to to be on the Bar Network with uh, with you and, and the guys over at SolarCast. Um. Uh, I'm I'm just super excited about the the future for your show and the future of the the network. Um, it's it's, yeah. it's a great place to be. So yeah, very Dwayne, grateful. Dwayne keeps adding good shows on here, and I, I just you know if, if people are just getting fed from all the podcasts that uh, are on the bar are the bar podcast uh, network, they're missing out, right? There's just so many good uh, podcasts that are on here. So much. A wealth of knowledge from all these guys and just uh couldn't be prouder to be part of the network yeah for sure and so be sure to to check the the notes uh on this episode at the bottom you'll see the link to the bar network website and you'll you'll, you'll have links to all the shows that are on the network and it is an ever-growing group so yeah uh check in often use your free will to, <laughs> to load your, your podcatcher up with all these good shows <laughs> you will not be disappointed all right. Well, thank, thanks again, Jimmy. Uh, yes. This is Guys with Bibles, and we're out. <laughs>